Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back to our weekly podcast. Hope you're listening, you're learning, and you're calling in or sending in your questions because that's what we're here and we're all about. We want to help you. We want to grow as a community and we want to raise healthy children. Last week, our podcast was about understanding your child's temperament and kind of really interesting because it's the key of parenting, that core issue of understanding who your child is, how they maneuver, but also how they trigger you because how you get triggered is how you're going to react to your child and then formulate who they are. So understanding your child's temperament, really great podcast from last week. We learned the core dimensions of what is a temperament, what are the makeups and the pieces and the elements that go into it. We discussed why temperament is so important in its connection to a mental illness or a psychiatric illness. We also talked about what every parent needs to know about their child's temperament and what are the key things you as a parent should know and how much you need to be able to maneuver that and the tools to be able to do it and a whole lot more of information. So hit it up, understand it, ask questions, but it's really good key information to make parenting a much smoother process and a better outcome. You can find all of my podcasts on my website, www.drsophie.com, or my phone app on iTunes. Help yourself. It's all there for free. This week's topic, though, we are talking about online boundaries, a very significant topic that touches all of us, especially those of us who have children, because those are the ways that our children reach out to the outside world that we don't always have control over. So we're going to be talking about that today. What do we need to do to have an online boundary? What is a online boundary? How can we set them up for ourselves and our children? What do we do when we have people who are talking to us or our children online who do not have boundaries and all kinds of great information? Joining me now as our guest today for our podcast on online boundaries is Dr. Malatier. She's a uh, PhD professor of management at the University of Quebec in Montreal. She has a 10-year business experience as a management consultant, entrepreneur, and a project leader. She does a lot of research, and her research focuses on how individuals and employers juggle the fact that we all have multiple identities and commitments in life, how people draw boundaries, balance their work, balance their work life with their regular life, what employers do to support them, and all that great stuff to be, be able to set boundaries, knowing who you are, what percentage work should have in your life, and all of that kind of stuff. She's going to give us all that kind of expert advice of how to do all that and then how to implement that for our children as well. Are you with us, Dr. Malatier? Yes, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for calling in from Quebec. How is it up there, the weather? <laughs> it's currently cloudy, but uh, we have good hopes of sun for the weekend. Ah, does it snow up there? Uh, not yet. It won't snow until Christmas or maybe after. Oh, very nice. So tell me a little bit about you and your research and why you're so interested in this. So, like you said, I have uh, business experience, and I have observed during uh, my years in the industry as a uh, management consultant and an entrepreneur that people come to work as whole persons. They come to work with their non-work identities, with their commitments, aspirations, and employers um, don't always recognize that. Employers sometimes ask you to leave everything that's personal and non-work at the door, and the problem is that that's not really feasible. That's not what people do. So I've been researching, um, you know, how people juggle their multiple identities and commitments and roles in life, and what can employers, um, you know, do to support them. Okay, so. 
it is very tough to kind of leave yourself at the door, leave your home life at the door. And like, you just don't have a switch that you click inside yourself. And I guess employers would love to have that because then that limits issues, correct? Exactly. Well, actually, people have more or less boundaries um, in, in, you know, even without social media. Some of us, we like to keep the professional and the personal separate. We don't have family pictures on our desk. We don't discuss private stuff at work. Some others uh, build bridges. They like to integrate and blend their roles in life. Like they will invite colleagues at, at, for dinner at home. They will, you know, uh, work at home some days. They will their kids. They will take your, their kids to work. So we we have different ways of managing that. But what dictates that? Do you think that's a cultural thing? Do you think that's somebody who's just not comfortable with their private life or acceptance of who they are, and they don't want to have it on their desk as far as pictures? Or what what, what sends that message for us to dictate that? It might originate um, in personality um, as well as prior experiences and, like you said, culture. Uh, most of it, I think, is a matter of, of personality, your preferences for role segmentation or integration. However, um, it also depends on the social context in which you work. What does that mean? If you work as an investment banker, you're going to be much more discreet and reserved than if you work for a marketing agency, for instance. Hmm. Okay, so it's kind of dependent on the role that you're playing as well, because if you're supposed to have a suit and tie on and be appropriate, you might not have looseness about your personal life all over your desk or whatever. Exactly. And that's where social media, um, you know, can make things more challenging. Tell me more about that. <laughs> well, um, in real life, you don't often have um, times in your life where you have your colleagues as well as your family and your friends all in the same room. That happens only at, you know, maybe weddings, maybe funerals. That's right. pretty much it. Right. But... If you think of Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, um, you know these platforms where you can mix the professional and the personal? Right. Unless you build boundaries? Well, you can actually end up on Facebook, for instance, with having your uh, mom, your kids, your friends, your boss, your colleagues in the same virtual room. Yeah, that's that scary, though. often. But that's scary. Right. So, like, how do you know to do it or not? Like, what do we tell our listeners? Like, do it, judge it. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's, an interesting, that's an interesting question. Well, uh, th there are different answers to that. You know, there are, there are tremendous advantages to connecting and reaching out with a lot of people on, on social media. You can, uh, you know, try to look good. You can impress. And if you're selling stuff, you can sell it more. If you're reading books, you can advertise. If you're writing books, you can advertise your books. Right. You can, you know, have a lot of information from other people. So there are really good advantages. On the other hand, uh, you know, if, you know, in real life, you would know not to show up at your workplace in a bathing suit. Yes. there are such things as social scripts, you know, what happens in the classroom, what happens at work. And the problem is, on Facebook, because you only think of the five to ten people who always comment on your post, you forget the other ones. Right, that don't write on there, yeah. So, so you might actually 
post a picture of yourself in a bathing suit and completely forget that your colleagues and boss can see it. Oh, that's not good. But you're right. And so that's the reason we're going to talk about boundaries. Right, because it might be uh, useful and a good idea to try and recreate some boundaries. Okay. So tell me, what is, like, in your mind, what is a boundary then, an online boundary then? Well, there are several ways of, of rebuilding boundaries. Uh, for instance, you could be selective about whom you are connected with on social media. Uh, you could say, for instance, uh, with Facebook, I'm only going to accept people whom I know, and uh, I'm only going to accept family and friends, and no colleague, no boss. Um, so that's what we call in our research uh, with, with Nancy Rosebart and Justin Berg, we, we call that an audience strategy. Like you are going to select your audience right. and restrict you know, whatever information you share, restricted to some, some person, for instance, family and friends. Right, no boss, no work colleague. So that's selecting your audience based on the content you're going to share and how open you want to be. So you could say, for instance, if your uh, colleague requests you or if my students request me in Facebook, I'm going to say to them, uh, well, I'd love to be connected with you. Uh, I, um, I suggest that we connect on LinkedIn. Yeah, because it's a more appropriate setting. Because it's a professional platform. Got it. Okay, so that's a good way to start to think about how to set these boundaries for people. Okay. Exactly. So that's, that's one that uh, is very straightforward. Um, it's sometimes not that easy because what happens when you shut down your boss, for instance, <laughs> yeah. is that you can hurt uh, your boss' ego or feelings. And, you know, it's actually difficult uh, to say no or ignore a, um, a request, especially if it's repeated. Yeah. Um, so other people use a different tactic that we name content. So you accept everyone on Facebook, for instance, provided you know them, but you accept everyone, including your boss and your colleagues, but then you're very careful about what you share. Ah, okay. So that's like a so, content strategy versus an exactly. audience strategy. Okay. Exactly. So the content strategy requires you to post things that you wouldn't be ashamed of or it wouldn't be embarrassing, things that make you look smart. Um, you avoid controversial posts. You avoid sharing your political opinion on Facebook um, or, you know, uploading embarrassing videos on YouTube. Got you it. might even go as far as controlling um, who can tag photos you know, and, okay. and uh, approve them That's before great. they appear. Interesting. Let's take a caller, and then we'll come back to this. Mm -hmm. uh, hello? Hey, how are you? It's Dr. Sophie. Hi, my name is John. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I kind of a interesting situation when the lines are blurred between your kind of online life and your real life. And uh, a few months ago, my girlfriend and I broke up, and... In the past few months, uh, I feel like she's started to, you know, follow the things that I've been doing online. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll post things about where I'm going to be or where my friends and I are going out. And it seems like she is almost kind of following me. Like she'll show up to the places that I might post online. And yeah. um, it seems like it's 
too much of a coincidence, uh, you know, that she's, yeah. she's not following my the things I post online and just happening to show up to the same places. I'm wondering what the best way is to broach this subject, because there's no real hard evidence that she's actually doing it, but it just seems... Too coincidental. Too yeah. coincidental. Maybe it's stalking. He he he. Yeah, exactly. It gets a little weird. I don't know. What do you think? Well, um, I, I agree with Doris Sophie. Talking to your ex-girlfriend uh, w would be a step to, to take. Um, another way um, is also that you may not want to disclose that information to her. Um, mm. So you could, you could, you know, um, without unfriending her, which you know most people find a little aggressive. Um, yeah. Without unfriending her, you could put her on a separate list. You know, many people have lists on Facebook. I, for instance, I have a personal list and a professional list, and I don't, I don't share the same type of information. I know my colleagues are not always very interested in seeing pictures of my kids, and okay. you know, my friends are not necessarily interested in my research, or not all the time. So you could put your um, ex-girlfriend in a separate list and make sure that she doesn't know where you're going. Yeah, the other thing is it's it's almost like an extension of, you know, having to tell her again that you're breaking up, like we're not together. Right. Because otherwise, you know, she can track it. That's a good point. I mean, if you put someone on a limited list like that, I mean, do they notice right away? Is it uh, well, a stark contrast to what they experience now from what they see in your social media? Well, if you put her on a list and, and you share no information, whatever, on that list, she's going to notice that she doesn't, it's, it will seem to her that you're not sharing anything anymore on Facebook. Yeah. But, you know, you could, you could include that list in most of what you're posting, except tonight I'm going to be there. So, you know, okay. you, you, could, yeah. you could carefully customize what you want, what information you want to share to whom. That, that's what we call a hybrid strategy. It's using both audience and content and customizing like you would do in real life. Okay, but my question to you is, why do you care that she would notice she's got limited access or limited info? Well, I just, I, I kind of don't want to stir the pot anymore. I'd kind of like to let it just kind of fade away as, as we experience more space in between us. Um, and I feel like uh, I don't want to, like, poke the bear, I guess, yeah, no, in this situation. I, I get that. But, you know, at a certain point, if it's, this is new, yes, but after about a couple months and she's not moving on, then you're going to have to send us another message and not worry about the aftermath. Right. I think that's a, a valid point. Yeah, you got to look at yourself like, why are you fearful then? Remember, I'm a shrink. Yeah. I got to say that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck. Put her on Thank a limited you very list. Much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. You know, and this is very, this is very interesting. That question, because what happens with these sites is that relationships don't go away. So you might end up at a certain point of your life having, you know, a number of ex-girlfriends of boyfriends on your. On your, you know, on your list, and they don't go away. So it's like you know, relationships accumulate, and all the information Oof. that you have shared that is sounds, still there. That sounds scary, but you know, I I see where people that don't want to let go or relationships that don't end well or resolve well. 
people will want to hang on, and this only feeds that whole thing, and, you know, it's not healthy all the time. Well, I hear a common advice if you really want to move on both sides is to not be friends anymore on Facebook. Exactly. And cut or it off. If you don't want to offend the person, you could at least make sure you don't see what they post on your news feed because you can you can totally uh, block that so right. that you know you're still friends but you don't see what ha what they post. Yeah, I mean, do you think? I mean, what is your opinion on online boundaries even more important than offline boundaries? I think the interesting point is that the two worlds um, communicate. Whatever happens offline now has extensions online and, and vice versa. Um, you know, John's example shows how it continues online. Yeah. It's, it's non-existent anymore offline. It continues online. And this translates how it actually is not completely over offline. Right. <laughs> so to communicate. Right. So, I mean, it really has to be on both ends a good boundary kind of they support each other. I think you have to have consistency. Um, right. If you wouldn't say something to someone face-to-face -face or on the phone, then you shouldn't post it on Facebook on, on, to a list that, that they're going to see. That's a good rule to live by. That's the bottom line. I mean, if you're not going to say it to their face, then don't be posting it for them to read it that way, unless you're trying to send them a message that you don't have the guts to say to their face. Yes, you could, you could, you know, use these sites for many, many Absolutely. All right, we have an email from Kara from San Francisco. She is asking, how can I explain to my younger sister that she doesn't want to post drunk, slutty, inappropriate pictures on Facebook in a way a college sophomore will understand? Hmm, how do you tell them that? Well... Um, actually, university career centers have invested much effort into trying to educate students to their online image yeah. because more and more employers, uh, I think, you know, most employers now check the Facebook profiles of candidates. So um, your caller could, could, you know, explain that uh, as soon as this person applies to a job, um, employers are going to check the Facebook profile and, you know, obviously drag photos are, I, I don't know the, the exact percentage, but I wonder if it's not like 30 or 40 percent uh, um, of employers have already rejected job candidates because of drunk photos. Wow. So, going, so there's a direct link. Yeah, there is. So going to your place of like where you're going to school is where you can get some information and some guidelines. Well, that person should definitely have a private profile instead of a public profile, so that would prevent most employers from finding her Facebook profile. And the second step would be, you know, even if it's private, many, many people among her friends or friends of friends still have access to that. And that is information that's going to still be around in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 right. years, unless she cleans it up regularly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to see all that. Yeah, that's, these are great points, and these are great ways and things to navigate it. I mean, because I've seen aftermaths of all of this kind of stuff where people, you know, an employer sees something that just gives them a message. That's not somebody we want. Yes. So, you know, basic safety advice would be get a private profile, right. use lists, and clean up regularly. Like, you don't, you don't want to... 
if you ha if you have been posting embarrassing photos, which I would recommend you do not, right? With, but if you, you do, up, you can delete them. Good, that's a great idea. All right, what we have another email from Michael from Tampa. He's saying. What should we think when a professional athlete or celebrity completely crosses the line with a social media post? How can someone who knows that their every move is watched be so short-sighted? What do you think about that? Well, there's actually research uh, showing that social media or anything online um, is, um, you know, removes our inhibitions. We tend to share things online that we wouldn't share face-to-face. -face. And that's because we might be in the comfort of our room and you're, we're just facing a computer or an iPhone, a smartphone, and we don't think much of who's going to be looking at that and we forget about invisible audiences. And um, so we overshare just because it's not real. Yeah, but that's not good. No. <laughs> right, because no, it comes back to bite you. People see it. Right, it comes back to bite you. Um, what do you think about how parents that are listening should even begin the dialogue or setting out a parameter or a structure for online boundaries for their children? And is it age-dependent? I think that a good start is actually offline. Um, teach them to recognize that in different contexts, there are different rules. For instance, if they are with their teachers in the classroom, they know that they should behave in such or such way. Um, if they are with their friends, they can be a little looser. If they are with their parents, it's yet another story. So you can teach them from an early age, way before they are on Facebook or have, have access, that we use different social scripts in different situations. Okay. If they know that, that's a very good basis because you can explain to them that it's even more important online because online you actually can't see everyone whom you're talking to. And the information will stay here for a long time. Okay. So I think I would try to talk with children about why it is important to pay attention to how people, to how others see you and why we have rules in society of how we should behave, what we should say, what we should wear, and so forth. Got it. And if they know that, and they know that it's important online as well, then they will manage the technicalities, you know? They will manage the privacy settings much better than you will ever do. They will ask for advice if they're not sure. They will, you know, use lists and stuff. But the basic point is that they need to understand it's a social space. You have social interactions. Right. And giving them those basic tools can be used in both worlds. Exactly. Because both worlds uh, communicate. It's only more challenging and, and sensitive online. Right. Yeah, for the reasons that you stay. You can't even see everybody, and it stays around for an awfully long time. Unless you clean it up. You could clean it up, but, you know. But still it's there. All right. We have another... So, Go ahead, I'm yep. sorry. We, we have an email from Tina from Houston, and she's asking, My children refuse to adhere to the online boundaries I have tried to set up for them on Facebook and Twitter. Is my only option to not allow them to do social networking? Because it's really hard to enforce. 
Uh, I feel for uh, I feel for this mother. Yeah. Um, it, it's actually really hard to um, to have the very strong position that they should not do Facebook, or Twitter, or YouTube, because it's it's an integral part of how kids interact. Yeah, absolutely. Nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like their blood sometimes. Yeah. So you know, if it it's sort of like you know you could you could ground a teenager to their room until they're 18 years old right but then they're going to go crazy technique maybe right so uh they're going to be on facebook and twitter and even if she uh you know tries to remove them they're going to find a way so they need to understand why she has set up these rules um so i don't know exactly what rules she has set up but you know rules such as um you should be very careful whom you friend, who you are connected with, because anyone uh, can post on your profile, for instance. Even if you are careful, anyone can post on your space and make you look bad. Right. And unfortunately, you know, many teenagers use Facebook uh, or other platforms for social aggression. Yes, they do, and the bully and all that kind of stuff. So even if you are careful and you don't post anything embarrassing, well, you know, it's very easy for someone else to post something very nasty about you or an embarrassing video. Right. And, and right. so you have to be really careful. Who do you allow to access your space? Right. The other thing I tell parents all the time is there's nothing wrong with, like, every once a week, everybody cleans up. You clean up your site with your child. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of keep house there that way. I have a, we have another question for you. How can we be careful not to cross online boundaries that other people have set for themselves? How do we know what that is? Do we take the hint by the list we're on? Do we take the hint by the list we're not on, that kind of stuff? Are there ways for us to kind of navigate that and see it? Well, it actually, that is a good question. It might happen to you that you friended a colleague and, and you find that person, um, for you that person is a friend, but, you know, unfortunately for them you're just a colleague and Christ. then you happen to make a personal comment on their holiday photos and, and they feel hurt or offended. Uh, it's, it's hard. I would say trial and error. I would say okay. when you first are connected with someone online, you know, observe, observe what they post, observe how they comment, if they comment, and if they're obviously the more introverted or reserved type, well, you know, be careful before you post a, a, a lol comment on their photo or something like that. Good. Yeah, that, that's, they're really great starting guidelines for people to keep themselves within a certain parameter observe first before you jump into it all okay mm -hmm. and we have another question for you with the online universe expanding by the minute are there any potential threats to our current online boundaries that we can be preparing for now yes well uh, for instance facebook's privacy settings have been known to change often <laughs> yeah and sometimes have um bridges or you know so again, I think um, the most careful thing to do is to share only things that you feel authentic and, and good with sharing. And it doesn't have to be all self-enhancing, but if you would be embarrassed to admit it to more than two or three persons face-to-face, -face, then don't post it. Right. Because even if you have the best privacy settings and the best online boundaries, it might happen someday that this falls down 
and, and you're exposed. So I would say be careful in the first place. Don't write bad things about your boss on social Correct. media, stuff like that. Ever, because it could come back to you. Yeah, you can, you, know, you can still pick up the phone, and if you want to vent about your boss, you can still do that on right. the phone or via email. Exactly. Dr. Olier Malatiri, how was that? Perfect. Thank you, for your, thank you for your expertise. Tell us where we can find you. We can send you questions, and we can access some of your great information. So you can read more of my work on academia.edu, or you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Ariane Ollier. Um, I, you know, you could also email me, ollier.ariane at ucam.ca, uqam.ca. Um, I'm currently doing more research on uh, social media and performance, team cohesion and performance. So if you're listening right now, uh, we're looking for companies who would like to partner with us Very nice. to study you know, how social media impacts team performance. Is it enhancing? Is it decreasing? Um, I'm also looking for partners to study the impact of, of social support on employee performance and well-being. So if you're interested uh, in doing some quality research, please, please contact me. Absolutely. I support that. Anybody interested in that kind of stuff, you've got to reach out because this is a wave of the future, and I think the, the research is what sets us up to learn the etiquette and the ways to keep everyone safe and, you know, keep your job, basically, and your own self-esteem because the damage is unbelievable that can be done so we'll reach out to you thank you so much for your advice and your expertise and please keep this research going it's vital <laughs> and i'm counting on companies to partner with me absolutely we'll push them your way <laughs> thank you so much thank Dr. you Sophie. stay warm up there bye bye wow that was pretty interesting you know, you don't realize how much is involved in this online boundary stuff, but we learned a lot today, and I think the most important things I would want you to kind of start off learning and, and digging deeper into is just the very fact that we're always told, leave your personal life at the door when you get to work. Well, that's kind of hard to do because it might have been on your computer from last night and didn't even come with you to work, and you didn't realize it. So really looking at that whole process and the bridging and the blending of your family and your work with social media and the online boundary issue because if you're not careful you could end up with a collision between all of that so really think through the fact that you can't leave yourself at the door when you get to work your personal side and do you want to bridge and blend those lives your personal life and your work life on your social media because if you don't that's what we talked about today boundaries what are they Social media is the place where you can collide those and combine them together, the uh, personal and the private online information. And so really, you got to think through it, see the benefits, see what problems can come from that, what kind of ways you want to navigate that. Because as we learn today, and when you listen, this stuff stays online, it stays on for a very long time, and it can really come back to haunt you because you might have said something funny about a coworker that you didn't even think about twice, but will come back and really haunt you. So looking at that, those were the boundary kinds of issues we talked about. We also learned about the types of 
and ways of setting online boundaries. And the two types that we talked about today, one was a audience strategy boundary and the other was a content strategy boundary. And the audience one was basically picking and choosing who has access to your site, what kind of list you have, public or private. And the content strategy was accepting and watching all of the kinds of content that you do put on your site, knowing who's going to be watching it, being mindful all the time of who's watching it, who you're allowing access to watch it, and what they get to watch, because those are the ways that you can keep those boundaries in place. And also, it's very important to remember some key things that we learned today. Posting only what you would want to say face-to-face -to, -face to somebody is really a great rule of thumb to go by, because if you're not going to say it to their face, but you're going to post it and they're going to see it or have access to it, then there's a problem. If you can't say it face-to-face, -face, you shouldn't be posting it for them to be able to read it. So again, that's another place to have a good boundary. Lots of great things to learn, and there's a whole lot more in this podcast. And our expert was wonderful, and she gives you her information of where to access her. And she's actually looking for places to uh, collaborate with so that she can do further research on these things. But really great things, lots of great questions and emails and voicemails and all that kind of stuff to learn from. Lots of dating, breaking up issues, and how do you get somebody not to follow you on your social site when you've already broken up, but they end up showing up at the restaurant that you were going to tonight with your new friend. So those are the kinds of things you want to learn, boundaries. And then we also learned some really great starting dialogues and techniques for parents to talk to children to start to look at this stuff because we have to teach our children how to have boundaries, especially online, because that's where kids are living these days. So take a listen. It's all really great stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this all. Reminding you that all of my podcasts are on my website at www.drsophie.com. My free phone app is on iTunes. Get it out. Get it on your phone. There's a ton of podcasts, ton of information there, and it's always available to you. My voicemail is also always available to you at 1-855-767-4966. My book, Side by Side, the Revolutionary Mother-Daughter Program for Conflict-Free Communication is out there when you reach those rough spots with your daughter. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Visit me again on iTunes. Download that full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. And the most important thing is don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up. Oh, and